Lord, we just thank for this time to gather together in fellowship to remember you, the whole reason for this season. And we just thank you for that. ask you to bless and guide us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. John 1, starting at verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Then I'm going to drop down to verse 14, because it talks about John the Baptist being the witness for him. And the Word was, in verse 14, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. You know, this is the season when we are celebrating the birth of Jesus. But the most important thing we want to bring out is this wasn't, that wasn't the start of Jesus. Jesus was with God from the beginning. He has always existed and always will exist. And we want to remember that because what changes Christianity from every other religion is the fact that Jesus became flesh and died on the cross. No other religion has a God that pays their debt. If you don't believe me, you can check them out. And I really don't ask you to check them out, but just believe. I've studied them. They all are based on one fact. Do more good than bad, and you'll please the deity. And some of them say if you don't do it in the first life, you have hundreds of lives to get it right. Others say you're, if you don't do it the first time, you're gone. You're annihilated. We have all kinds of different beliefs out there. But they all fall down to the same fact. Do more good than bad and you're okay with God. Christianity says, doesn't matter how good you are, without God's forgiveness, you don't make it. And this is important for us to understand. The world is always telling us, do more good. Debbie? I just have a question. It's like, without good, you're not good, but... Okay, which is it? Do more good than bad, or without God, your goodness doesn't count? I'm, I'm Either way, it doesn't count. Oh, okay. It does not count. Okay. Isaiah 53 tells, uh, 64 tells us that all our righteousness is filthy rags. Mm-hmm. So the best things we can do in our flesh, God says, isn't enough. Oh. So you can be great all your life and sin just a little bit. And when you stand before God, you stand before him in filthy rags. And he says, not accepted. And this is why it's important for us. Good does not get us into heaven. Does that mean there's no value in living good? No, it's great. I mean, there's, there is consequence for sin. Every time I do something wrong, there is great consequence in my life. And your life and everybody else's life. So when we do wrong, there is consequence. But when when we do what's good, we do it because God is changing us. He is making us who he wants us to be and creating in us a new life, a new being. And this is important for us. Jesus became flesh and blood. He became the God-man, or is what we talk about. He became the perfect sacrifice for us because he was 100% God and 100% man. Now the God part of him overruled the man part of him. Uh, We don't want to talk about DNA. God's DNA overruled the human DNA and he was God. And he will always be God. 
He came as the second Adam to fulfill the law of God so that he could be a perfect sacrifice upon the cross. This was the plan. It came from the very beginning when man sinned, when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, God said that you will bear a son and he shall crush the head of the serpent and the serpent will strike his heel. He was a picture of Jesus dying on the cross. Satan thinking he had won. You know, I put God to death. <laughs> you know, thinking he had won. And then Jesus coming back and saying, nope, no such, no such thing. I'm still God. I'm still number one. And you just created the sacrifice that was needed to, to redeem these people. If Satan had been smart, he wouldn't have killed Jesus and there wouldn't have been a redemption because Jesus had to die. But he fulfilled the will of God by having Jesus killed. And this is something that's important. Jesus is incarnate. He is God. And there's lots of groups out there that will tell you, no, he's not God. He, was, he is a son of God. Uh, he is a son. He is like God. There's all kinds of things out there. But we need to remember that he is God. He could not have been the sacrifice without being God. And then he lived for 34 years, walking a perfect life, proving that it could be done, and then was crucified. The perfect sacrifice. He fulfilled the sacrifices that the Jews always did every year. He died as the Passover lamb. And the Passover lamb was offered on Passover in celebration of the deliverance from Egypt when God slew the firstborn of, of, all, of all of Egypt. And anybody whose house was not covered by the blood of that Passover lamb. Jesus dies so that we can accept him and not die. Very important for us to understand that salvation is only through Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. He is the truth. Every word he says is true. This is the good news in the Bible, and you all have heard me say many times, I love this book. <laughs> I've, I've only been studying it for 48 years, <laughs> just a short time. But it is a true book. No contradictions in it. No false statements of science in it. Contrary to what the world is going to tell us. It is a true book. And if it wasn't, we would have no hope. Why do we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? The Word tells us it is all through from Genesis all the way to Revelation. It tells us that Jesus is the Son of God. He is the Messiah. He is the sacrifice for salvation. There is no way to God except by grace and by mercy. And without his sacrifice, there would be no way to heaven. This is the news that he gives us. This is what is different from everything else out there. Because I believe me, I've looked at him, I've talked to so many people, I've talked to them, how are you going to get to heaven? Well, I hope I'm good enough. Well, let me give you a real quick answer. The answer is no, you're not good enough. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every single person who is born is born a sinner. That is why Jesus had to be born of a virgin, because the sin comes from the male, because Adam chose to sin, Eve was deceived, so he had to be born of a virgin so he would not have a sin nature passed to him. Because if he had been born with a sin nature, he would have been guilty. All right? Every child, we talk about children being born innocents. 
There's not a child out there who's born innocent. They all have sin nature. Every one of us who's ever raised a child know that our children have a sin nature. I don't know how many of you trained your children to be bad. <laughs> okay? Most of us don't train our children to be bad. They just automatically start being bad. It is my toy. You can't have it. I'm not going to share. This is mine. I don't want to do this. You tell them not to touch something they immediately want to touch. That is the sin nature. We do the same thing to God. God says, don't do something. And immediately our, th our thinking goes to, I'm going to do this just because. Just because I'm told I can't do it, I'm going to go do this. We don't get any better as we grow up. That little tiny child that's selfish and, and bad grows up to be a big adult who's selfish and bad, maybe learns to hide it a little better over time. You know, well, you know I really don't want to share this, but I guess, I'll, I, guess I will because that's what I'm supposed to do. But our heart is saying, man, if I could just do what I wanted, you, would, you wouldn't get any of this. I wouldn't share with you. I wouldn't help you at all. This is what's important for us to understand. We have a sin nature. Everybody who's born has a sin nature, which is why we cannot give God what he demands. God is perfect. And we like to pick on, look, when we pick uh, what we want to believe about God, we like to think, well, God, you're love. That means you're just going to take everybody to heaven. Well, true love doesn't do that in the first place. You know, and this is the scary thing, you know, love in our day is becoming really bad, you know, don't discipline your kids. Well, you know, that news for you, if my kids are going to go play in the highway, I'm going to tell them no, they can't, and I'm going to do what it takes to keep them from playing in the highway. If they're going to go play with drugs and alcohol, I'm going to do everything I can to keep them from playing with the things that are going to hurt them. God is no different. He is going to try to keep us from doing what's going to harm us. And we are stubborn enough that we're going to go do it anyway. <laughs> just like our children and just like we did when we were children and just like we do as an adult. How often do we do things that are going to hurt us and others? Jesus came to be the sacrifice. He came to be the sacrifice so that we could be forgiven. We're told in Romans that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. We earn death. We earn eternal death. And the Bible says hell is a place of pain and suffering for eternity. When we are born, we have an eternal life or an eternal existence. Let's use that term, an eternal existence. We either have life in heaven with God or an eternal death in pain and suffering in hell. And notice that I didn't say with Satan because Satan is not the ruler of hell. He is a prisoner of hell. All right? He is not the ruler. He is not building a kingdom. He is, it is built as a prison for him and the demons, the fallen angels, not for him to rule. So we want to keep that in mind. He's not building a kingdom. He is hurting God by trying to pull people away from God. He knows that God loves man, so he wants as many people as possible to be pulled away from God. And so that he can suffer with them. <laughs> you know. and, but this is the key on this. Jesus died so that God could give us forgiveness. Give us a gift. And the wonderful news is, it is a gift. We can never earn salvation. doesn't matter how much good we do, we cannot earn it. It doesn't matter how good we think we are, we can't earn it. 
You know, and the thing to talk about is whoever you think is the most perfect person that you can possibly think of doesn't deserve heaven. Unless you're thinking about Jesus. <laughs> but if you're thinking about anybody other than Jesus as the most perfect person that you can think of, they don't deserve heaven. And when Jesus died, he took all the sins of the world upon him to pay the sin debt. When people stand before the Father at the white throne judgment, they're going to be looking at him and he's going to say, okay, here you are in your goodness. And your goodness is a bunch of filthy rags. You don't deserve heaven. Depart. The only thing that will get us into heaven is being in Christ Jesus, accepting that gift and having him indwell us and fill us and hide in him. And then we become a new creation the old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. And I wish it would happen overnight that we became totally new, but it doesn't. <laughs> it takes years and decades. But God takes the sinful desires away from us. One at a time, two or three at a time, he starts slowly stripping away our sinful desires. And as we walk with him, he changes us. He makes us change from the inside out. It's not me changing. It's not you changing yourself. It's God saying, here I am. I am changing you. For I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. God comes in. He starts crucifying the flesh. And I kind of look back over my life and say, wow, I don't do the things I used to do. I don't enjoy the things I used to enjoy. I don't even like doing some of the things that I used to do. And this is how he changes us. Some things he changes overnight. I've seen people that get miraculously saved and right instantly things change in their life. God takes away desires for alcohol, drugs, and stealing, whatever else, and they change overnight. Other people take a long time to change. But I've said over and over again, I really truly believe that if you're saved and you're a new creation in Christ, there's going to be at least something in your life that you can point out and say, this changed. It might be as simple as, now I can read the Bible and understand it. I hear it from the lost all the Well, that book, I don't understand a word I say. You know, you don't. Not without God's Spirit in you, you can't understand it. Then they get saved and, wow, I can understand the word. <laughs> it makes sense. It, it, it's, it, I can read it. It may be you fall in love with God's people and the church. You know, people who don't like other people. And there's lots of us like that. <laughs> you know, and God tends to call pastors to be, you know, and I found out the more I get to know other pastors, the more I find out that they're introverts and don't like people a lot of times. Mm -hmm. And God puts us in a job where we have to love people <laughs> and deal with people all the time. <coughs> Why? Because he gives us his desire and his heart to love people. You know, I'm the type of, oh, when I was growing up, I could just stay at home and never leave the house, and I'd be perfectly happy. Give me my Bible to read, give me my Bible to read, and I'll go to work and earn my check, and I'll come back to my home and, and be perfectly happy. And now God puts a love for God's people in my heart, to work with God's people, to share with God's people, to, to counsel. But Jesus comes in, and he comes in and changes who we are. He is the one that does this. How? We just ask him and say, Lord... I am a sinner. We confess who we are and who he is. Lord, you are Lord. And the word Lord in our, in our vocabulary in America really doesn't, isn't understood. 
You know, we don't understand really what Lord is because if we don't like our government, what do we do? We just wait two to four, two, four or six years and we vote the bum out. Okay? You know, no, 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 no lords in our no lords in our life. We don't we don't like what we see, we just say you're gone. God is Lord. When you accept him as your master, he has the right to tell you what he wants you to do. And you can't go back to the Lord and say, nope, not going to do it. You know, this is the idea of the king, the nobility. They told you to do something. The king told you to do something. He had a power that you didn't really want to offend. He could take your head. He could put you in prison. You did not disobey the Lord. Jesus is Lord. When he, when he gives us the Bible and it's full of a bunch of rules that we're supposed to live by, we're supposed to obey them. They're not a bunch of suggestions. I hear it all the time, people saying, well, the, the Ten Commandments were good, but they're just some, some suggestions. No, they're the Ten Commandments for a reason. They are commands. They are laws. Now, if we keep them, does God, is God happier with us when we keep it? Nope. He loves us right as much as he's ever going to love us. He loved us so much that while we were his enemies, he died for us. And then he rose again. And while we were his enemies, he holds out a gift and says, I have a gift for you so that you can spend life, eternal life with me. We were his enemies before we received the gift. And he did all of this. Jesus said we're to love our enemies. We as Christians have a hard job. Love those who don't like us. Love those who are mean to us. Love those who really want what's worst for us. They're out to get us. And we're to love them. Doesn't mean be their whipping post or doormat, but he says you're to love them. You're to be kind to them. You know how many people get saved because Christians show love toward those who are misusing them and abusing them? It's an amazing thing. You read, the, read uh, Fox's Book of Martyrs and so many of these guys were killed because they loved God and people hated them and they would sing praises and they would say things just like Jesus said on the cross. Look, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. If you read enough of Fox's Book of Martyrs, you'll see that statement over and over and over again. As they're being burnt at the stake, Father, forgive them. Just before their heads are being chopped off, Father, forgive them. Before they're being quartered by the animals pulling on four sides of them, Father, forgive them. Over and over again, they understood that God was changing them. Not us. None of us are going to have that attitude. God, I'll just forgive these guys. Without God, we're not going to say forgive them. But as God comes in and changes us, we're more and more able to say, forgive them. God, forgive them. And our heart needs to be forgiveness and be able to say, God, I'm not going to dwell on what they deserve. Because the one thing I have hear people say, and I hear it sometimes from Christians as well, I just want what I deserve. Well, you know what? I don't want what I deserve. <laughs> and most people look at me and say, you're a pretty good person, but I don't want what I deserve. I want God's grace. I want to go to heaven because of what Jesus Christ did for me, because what I deserve, my wages that I deserve, is hell. 
The wages that each one of us in this room deserve without Christ is hell. With Christ, he covers our wages with his blood and he gives us life. This is the good news. He became flesh. God incarnate. He isn't a God. He isn't one of many gods. He isn't, he isn't a subordinate to the Father. He and the Father and the Holy Spirit are one. They have a relationship. They are submitted to each other. They submit to one another. The Father has headship and Jesus submits to him and the Holy Spirit submits to them, but they all submit to each other at the same time. And submission is not a bad word. It's just a word that says you're abiding under authority. All right? It's really a military term. And if anybody's been in or around the military, you know that the general has total command. Total command. They command everything. His colonels underneath them, and then the captains, and the major, the majors, the captains, lieutenants, down into the sergeants, and then you get down to that poor private who has nobody below him, or her in this day and age, who just follows orders. <laughs> Is that private any less of a person than the general? No. Maybe, maybe even more educated than sometimes, or maybe even a better person. But his rank is lower, and he obeys the commands given to him. We are under God. We are submitted to God. We are then to be submitted to one another as Christians. That doesn't mean everybody rules over everybody, but we listen to people when they give us God's advice. And it's an amazing thing sometimes. I have learned so much sometimes, and people are always amazed. I love to hear testimonies. I love to hear how people got saved and have them share their testimony. This is what happened to me. But even more, I like to hear what people have learned from God's word. You know, it's an amazing thing sometimes when somebody's brand new saved and they start reading the Bible and they start telling you what God is showing them. And you go, wow, I've never thought about it that way. And I've been walking with God for a long time and I've never thought about it that way. Sometimes I have to correct, you know, correct some different views. But a lot of times it's like, wow, God has really taught you something really, really good. Why? Because it's the Holy Spirit that teaches us. The Holy Spirit teaches us. This is why we can understand the word of God after we're saved when the day before or an hour before, it made no sense to us because the Holy Spirit wasn't there to teach us. And this whole thing in Timothy, Paul says, this is the great mystery that God became man. God became man. And this is not the way most people would have thought it. You know, if we had been God, you know, would we have come as a little tiny baby? Totally at the mercy of every single human out there and demon and needing the protection? No, we probably would have said, okay, here I am. You know, I'm 20-something or 30-something. I'm, here I am. Like me or not. You know, but that's not the way he chose to come. He came as an infant which means he had to learn to walk. He had to learn to talk. He had to use, you learn how to keep his pants dry. <laughs> you know, he had to learn everything that we learn. He had to learn to read and write so that he could read the scriptures. He had to go through all of this. He had to be a teenager. With all the raging hormones that a teenager has to go through and still stay perfect. 
Add to that the fact that he's God. He, had a, he could have had a great pride problem. You know, I know who I am. You know, what, who are you to say anything to me? Several times in the scriptures it said that he submitted to Mary and Joseph. When he was 12 years old and he stayed behind in the temple, technically an adult by Jewish law, and they came back and found him and said, you, son, you, we've been worried about you. Right after that, he said he grew in stature. And, and, uh, and it ends with, he submitted to Mary and Joseph. And we know at that time he knew who he was. He wasn't showing power. He wasn't showing anything else. But he knew who he was. And yet, submitted. Why? To be an example to us. If he, God, could submit to his mother and father, who are we to not submit to our authorities, whoever that might be? Very important for us to look at his life. Then he gets to be an adult. And people are attacking him every time he turns around. You know, the, the scribes and Pharisees one time told him, you know, at least we know who our father is. We're not born of fornication. Slap in the face saying, we know that, you, you know, we know that Mary and Joseph slept together before they were married, so we, we know, we, we have right parents, you don't. And he did not react to an insult. He was insulted several times through the scriptures and did not react the way we in our flesh would react. On the cross, being crucified, he says, Father, forgive them. This is after his light beating that took all the, virtually all the skin off his bone, off his body, and, and took off chunks of, chunks of flesh. Carrying a cross, which we talk about the old rugged cross. It's not like the cross we have over there. It's more, not even as smooth as the cross we have out, in the, out there, which isn't very smooth. But that's even smooth compared to what he would have been carrying and been nailed to. He put, they put splinters all up and down his back as he was pushing up and down to be able to breathe. Nails in his hands, nails in his feet, a crown of thorn with one inch thorn stuck, in, stuck into his scalp. None of us would say, Father, forgive them. We would probably be saying, Father, go get them. <laughs> Destroy them. Get me off of this. And yet he had his mind and eyes set on why he came. Jesus understood why he was here, and that was to die on that cross, resurrect three days later, and redeem mankind. And his whole life was focused on that call. I'm going to end with this idea, is what has God called you to do? We really do need to get to... Need to understand what are we called to do. One thing we're supposed to be called to do is follow him and serve him. The other thing we're just called to do is to share him with others. Beyond that, it's going to be individual for every single person. What has God called you to do? And keep your eyes on that call. Because without your eyes on the call, everything else seems to be a terrible waste, a terrible hardship. And we want to keep that in mind. And just as we end right now, just going to, we're going to pray. And I really want to encourage, because I'm typing this also for the online, if anybody does not know Jesus, if he's not your Lord and Master, make him your Lord and Master today. You just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I deserve, punish I deserve the punishment. 
I believe that Jesus died for my sins. Come and save me. And then talk to one of the, one of the Christians in, around here just to help so we can get you started on the right path. Those on the internet, they can contact us by email. <laughs> but, you know, I want to challenge us. Are we living for God? As we go into Christmas, let's make sure Jesus is part of Christmas. Don't get so wrapped up in the gift giving and the family that we forget Christmas. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity we have to gather together to worship you. Lord, we ask you to help us always remember you are Lord. You are Master. And that we will submit to you. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.